Hello, Sheffield, UK. Exciting news. I'm taking Billy Sharp up on his offer to be his guest at the Sheffield United game on March 12th. You heard the man, sock lovers of the world unite. Wrestling legend Mick Foley is coming to Sheffield. Socko. This is the Totally Football League show. No, really, it is. While United's Billy Sharp uses his celebratory socks as a love token for a WWE great, we've our own tag team to wrestle with the joys of the Football League. In my corner, Adrian Stone Cold Sober Clark. <laughs> Today, right now, yes. Well, you might be a bit high on Lemsip. Yes, yeah, yeah, not, not, not 100% uh, full right. fitness today, but I'm going to soldier on. Still looks it. Sporting a beard as well, a fuller beard, given the illness. And Ian Bantz before Pants Danter. Oh, that's different. Yeah. I'll give you that. I googled wrestling names for you. Did you? Yeah, well, that one didn't come up. That was the best you could come up it, with. It didn't come up. Well, oh, Google's let up. you down there. Yeah, but you are a Birmingham City fan. Well, yeah. Well, Birmingham City nil. Let's have it right. That that was our name for many years. You know, though, the joy Just of you team. being in here yes. is there's no Sam Parkin and no Joe Crilly. I say that's a joy, but you're making up for two. For one. Yeah, the work of, yeah we're doing the work of three individuals here, Clarky. No pressure. Not for the first time. Oh, really? Oh, we started going back to his South End days. Uh, <laughs> right back never did enough work, clearly. 150 stone on his back yeah. as he carries the team. Yeah. Oh, Adrian. We can talk about South End United later. We'll talk about Colchester United too. And anything else beside, thank you to everyone that's got in touch with your questions. We shall rattle through those. We'll start, though, in the Championship and the wrestling match that saw Norwich go too clear at the top, courtesy of an East Anglian demolition derby, meaning there's not a lot of geographical distance, but a whole wide world separating them in the table with Ipswich. Elsewhere, no first home win for Steve Bruce at Sheffield Wednesday. Swansea beat Millwall against the backdrop of ownership protests. Bolton took a jolt on, going down to Preston, an advantage no one as relegation threatened Wigan and Rotherham draw. Saturday saw one of the fastest and one of the latest goals of the season so far, but we will start with a 13-year wait gone, torn up. QPR beaten by Birmingham at home, finally. If only we knew a Birmingham City fan. If only, who would support them? It's a struggle, isn't it? We Not sat, many in the media. We sat through WhatsApp messages of mm-hmm. Sam Parkin. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> thought the game was gone. No, he wasn't Game's stone cold sober. No, he wasn't. Well, he wasn't. And he got worse through the game. I, I'm sat at Watford Everton doing a, a live commentary mm. of that game in the Premier League. And, of course, during the course of the commentary, my producer's telling me to throw to various games. And we had a reporter on Talk Sport, who I was working for at Loftus Road. And we're crossing to him, goal, Tony Incenzo, and Tony obviously tells the story of Birmingham going 4-0 up inside 40 minutes. And being a Birmingham City fan, my first thought was a game against Swindon Town in the 90s, where Glenn Hoddle uh, was manager of Swindon. We were 4-1 up at St Andrews and lost 6-4 because Glenn Hoddle decided to put himself in midfield <laughs> and totally destroy us in the space of 20 minutes. So when QPR got it back to 4-1 before half-time, I've got Swindon going through my head. Uh, uh, of course, like every true fan, actually. Then it's 2-4, then it's 3-4. And I have to tell you, uh, when you're doing a live commentary, the, the producer back at the studio will, will press a button to speak to you into your headphones so that only you can hear. And when I tell you that he was clearly laughing his head off when he said penalty at Loftus Road in the dying embers for me to obviously then go to our reporter. He knew what was going on. Uh, Adrian Durham and Perry Grove sat to my right, also poking me with metaphorical sticks, but good old Lee Camp, a man who's had such a lot of 
criticism for his goalkeeping this season becomes the hero. Oh, that's a great story for me because Camp as a goalkeeper, there was a bit of consternation when Gary Monk signed him. Why? We've got Connell Truman was the, the oft-used reply. We don't need a, a goalkeeper on top of that. And we had David Stockdale, of course, and Thomas yeah. Kuzak. It's because he does his research. Afterwards, he said, uh, 3-4, it finished, yeah. by the way. QPR 3, Birmingham 4. And he said, I had a little read-through this morning of the penalty takers. I'd known he'd taken some for Huddersfield. I didn't make my mind up until he started his run-up. I just had that instinct that he was going to whip it across his body just from his run-up. Thankfully, I guess right, and the rest is history. I mean, he's putting this one in history. <laughs> well, good for him. Uh, and why not? Uh, man with an illustrious career, just going hitting greater heights. Now he's uh, wearing the mighty crest of Birmingham City on his jersey. But yeah, uh, Gary Monk continues to defy logic by inheriting a squad that has struggled under three previous managers and he's getting them on the verge of the playoffs at least before the EFL take points off us. You've done that one, Mr Clark, when when you've seen them coming back, nibbling away at your Mm. score, when you've had a a bit of a hefty first half... At what stage of the jitters set in? Uh, yeah, I think probably at 4-2 it would have set in, yeah. You you, you don't consciously do it, but you so just drop what, off. Is 4-2 a more dangerous <laughs> scoreline than 2-1? <laughs> uh, no, um, but no, you do. I've, I've done it. I've done it, but I've actually, one game that really stands out, I think because I scored a couple, you know, certain games stick in your memory. And we, I come back from four nil down to draw four apiece once, and you just saw the fear in the opposition's eyes. And every time you know you got the momentum, you you're over every throw in free kick. You're so fast to get the ball back into play, and it just creates panic. And that's clearly what what Queens Park Rangers did. But at Birmingham won, so well done them. And the, Monk has been brilliant, hasn't he? Because mm. I, I don't think when I looked at their squad, I thought they would be challenging for for the playoffs. But they do have an awesome front too, don't they? With with Jukovic and Adams, absolutely fantastic. Just looking at this, I mean Jukovic, ten goals but ten assists. Che Adams, obviously, Che Adams for me is very reminiscent of Troy Deeney. I'm sure I'm not the first person that said that. I how, just, how much is he worth? I'm not asking that. Alex Young is yeah. via Twitter says 22 years old, 19 goals for the season, scores different types of goals. Well, Birmingham, yeah. Double what he was worth at kickoff. On yeah, Saturday. well, Birmingham are reported to have turned down a lot of money, aren't they? I don't know. In the current market, he's got to be towards. Twenty million, hasn't he? I don't, that would I don't be lovely. Know. I mean, there was there was talk of Burnley showing interest, but offering somewhere in the region of eight to ten million pounds no, for him. More than that. And 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 Birmingham's problem in recent years, particularly under the previous ownership of Carson Young mm. and the chief exec Peter Panu, is that there was really a fire sale back in two thousand and eleven and onwards when relegation was confirmed. Players like Jack Butland, Nathan Redmond, Jordan Much, and a bit later, Damari Gray left for fees that seemed to be paltry. It seemed as though that we weren't getting our value as as the selling club, but that was the position we were in. Aren't Birmingham going to get into trouble now, though, for, for turning down these bids? I'd, I'd like because, to see that stand up in court. Because of the financial situation. Have you got any sort of take well, on that? Well, uh, uh, so far as I'm led to believe, the EFL has made a recommendation to a, a panel that's going to be sitting this month. Mm about what punishment should be handed down for Birmingham for profitability and sustainability breaches, which we're bang to rights for. This goes back to the uh, spending, particularly in the uh, summer transfer window where Darren Dean, Jeff Vettier and Harry Redknapp presided over the most extraordinary spending spree on wages and fees. And before that, Gianfranco Zell have spent a bit of money as well. That's what we're in trouble for. 
And I think the EFL, the, the, the rumour is that the EFL have recommended a 12-point deduction to this panel. So we'll have to see when that panel sits. Could be any time soon. And looks like Birmingham are just going to have to wear it. And whether it's held over as well, whether it's suspended or I not. imagine it would be, if it was going to be handed down, then it would be at the start of next season. Mm. That point's deduction. That idea. We get what we get. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and he's already shown Monk that he can deal with these types of things. No, I just think, well, why, why prolong the punishment any longer? The, the offence occurred a while mm. ago. If if they're ready to punish Birmingham, I don't know why it's taken so long, but if they're ready to to meet out this punishment, do it now. The conspiracy theorist in me tells me that the reason that they've waited so long is they've waited, if they are going to take the points off now, for Birmingham to be in a position where it doesn't hurt them in terms of relegation. Can I just clap you for that? Because we always used to have this argument with non-league football. It would always happen when a club was safe, and so it means nothing. What's the point of giving it? to you then apart from where it starts to affect you financially in terms of league placing then I, then I get it but you're right it doesn't affect you it's a disgrace isn't it the, the, doing that yeah uh, and then the, this story came out that Matt Hughes wrote in the Times about you know Birmingham might be punished for not selling Che Adams and I, I really th- there's a legal precedent that would have to be set there if a club is going to be punished for not selling a player mm. particularly if we were going to get less than market value just to sell a player to satisfy profitability and sustainability breaches for which we're already in trouble. You have, of course, an impartial panel to preside over all of these things. <laughs> Including and... somebody that we recommend, apparently. Birmingham can recommend one member to sit on the panel. Tell you who it won't be, Jordan Much. I'm so glad you mentioned him. Did you see the picture of him <laughs> being unveiled? Yeah. No curtain was present for a South Korean side this week and looking thoroughly it, thrilled. It looked delighted, didn't it? And it just looked like a... But it was like a boxing match-up, wasn't it? It was as if he'd just be, you know, they'd fixed up this match, him against the mascot. Um, yeah, fists were out, but didn't yeah. Kick on, didn't kick on the way should have done I, I believe as a yeah. as a player he was he showed a lot of talent coming through our our youth system as as many players do but just never quite trained on the way I expected him to Jordan who thought we'd be already on Jordan much who thought we'd talk about anything else besides uh, now we can go Villa 3 Sheffield United 3 we'd have to go all the way back to Friday though Talking about Adams and how many goals he could achieve, the target of 30 apparently has been set for him. A target of 30 for Tammy Abraham. That's how many he wants. He got his his 20th in that 3-3. Yeah, he's capable, isn't he? Cracking game, wasn't it? Absolutely awesome. Um, The big surprise, wasn't it? The the, the goalkeeper of Sheffield United threw in the two goals because he's been been so good this season. And it was really interesting, wasn't it, to see, was it Ender Stevens at the end? I really didn't like that. In terms of, he pointed the finger, didn't he, at him, and said, "I could, you couldn't lip read, but it, it's pretty plain. This this result is on you." And I both liked it and didn't like it because I, I think it's it's a positive for Sheffield United that that players are, are digging one another out and they're passionate about it. But that sort of thing should have happened in the changing room, not out on the pitch. How would you have taken that? If I was Dean Henderson, yeah. I would have been tempted I mean, to. You wouldn't have been in goal. I would have been tempted to whack him um, because I always used to hate it, and this was one of my pet hates. But if I felt hard done by, and I suppose Dean couldn't feel too hard done by because it was his fault, but he knew that. I always felt that if a player really laid into me over something minor on the pitch in front of the fans, it would re- it would wind me up and I would continue that argument uh, afterwards because I, d- I don't think you always need to do that. Andy Burgess of Accrington, formerly of Luton, tweeted this week, order of importance, striker, goalkeeper, 
than the rest. So you want to put an arm around your keeper, don't you? And do you agree with that list, clearly? Well, <laughs> you. A, a guy like Tammy Abraham, who, what, 26 for Bristol City, wasn't it, two years ago in the Championship? So 30 is a very yeah. realistic target for him yeah. this season because Villa do create. It's at the back where they're, they're trying to reorganise. They brought Tommy Elphick back. They've tried uh, Twanzabi as a centre-half. Obviously, James Chester's an important cog when he's fit. They're persisting with Neil Taylor, even though Villa fans aren't that happy with him as a left-back. So defensively is where, where Villa have got their problems. I, I think that uh, from a tactical point of view as well, that, that they still haven't addressed the defensive midfield position properly at Villa. No. You saw it in this game with, with Dowell making runs from central areas into wide areas, which made people like Taylor look bad. And I'm not saying that he did everything right. He didn't. But it's a common theme that these guys have not been tracked. Well, Yedinak's the, the perceived well, yeah, number one choice, <laughs> yeah. but didn't I mean maybe there's got the legs, has no, he? maybe not now. This is the thing. Maybe it's just one season too far for him mm. to be the regular guy. He can still come in and do a job, mm. but you've got Bjarnason who could potentially do that job. Mm. Hurahan that restricts his role a little bit if he's asked to do that job. You know who else is there uh, that can actually? And again, but, but all of them too are better, to, to are better with the ball. Yeah than they are without it. And I think that Dean Smith, I was slightly surprised he didn't bring in someone that was a specialist stopper. Maybe he tried and just yeah. couldn't get hold. But, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Abraham will get Villa close to the playoffs yeah. simply through uh, his ability to, to, to put stuff away. Kalinic was an important buy because Newland was not working as Villa's goalkeeper. That no. was clearly uh, an issue. Same as when Dubravka came into Newcastle United and you could see the difference in Lascelles and Lejeune in front of him, that they could suddenly relax. I think there was something... I mean, Kalinic has, has, has had a couple of slightly awkward moments but generally I think he's a much more solid goalkeeper for Villa have we pushed keepers above strikers in the order of importance <laughs> well, maybe not. well I'm always, I always Henderson, say Henderson will seconds. bounce back for Sheffield United yeah. if we go back to him for a moment yeah. because I thought he was brilliant on loan at Shrewsbury yeah. last season I thought he was fantastic he was one of the one of the reasons why mm. they went so close mm. because he protected that goal so well now he'll bounce back second most important position no, I would always say that it's it, it's absolutely cr- crucial. Behind the kit, man. Yeah, um, but but again, on, on Kalinic, that goal should have been disallowed. He kicked it out of his hands yeah. really sharp, so uh, they got lucky. You're not the only one in saying that. Chris Wilder spoke about that afterwards. Dean Smith spoke about that afterwards. Uh, Billy Sharp says Dean Smith offside. Then he's kicked it out of our keeper's hands. And with his studs up too. Norwich 3, Ipswich 0. 64 of the 70 goals scored by Norwich this season were signed by Farquhar or given debuts by him the importance of letting someone be letting them get on with it and seeing their side top of the day yeah and uh, well I'd like to think that he had a big part to play in that recruitment but he's obviously got a good team around him I mean there's so many you look around the whole 11 there are there are bargain buys wherever you look aren't there so so no brilliant we, we've we've celebrated that throughout this campaign Buendia again a couple of great assists yeah. 12 in all in all competitions this season so so yeah look I'm, I've been on that Norwich bus for a long while now I, I, I knew that they would beat Ipswich that one was a absolute gimme spoke to you and Roberts on the morning of the game and I said my first question was this is a gimme isn't it expected him to try and be a bit superstitious about it not want an attempt for and he basically said yeah definitely <laughs> Give me this Ipswich have no chance, and, stuffed, and, aren't and, they? and so it and so it proves on, on Norwich. By the way, I looked into the, the fixtures 12 of their last 15 games against teams that are 11th or lower. So the running is dreamy for, for Norwich City. It doesn't mean they're going to go up, but you couldn't wish for a better end to the campaign. Who doesn't love? 
a dreamy running. Adrian Clark and Ian Danter talking all things championship for the moment. Let's have a, a quick fly through some of the others. Blackburn nil, Bristol City one eighth straight win for Mr. Johnson. I, again, as with Norwich City, there, there's a a club that could have got a bit of itchy trigger finger mm. from a board with regard to the manager, but they persisted with Farker at Norwich. Sounds like a real condition, itchy trigger finger, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Is that what you're suffering from today? (laughs) We'll find out in the course of the next 40 minutes or so if he suddenly disappears. But Lee Johnson, again, was in a position where... It's funny, I, I, I speak to Bristol City fans who weren't enamoured with Lee when he was a player there playing for his dad because the accusations of nepotism were rife, never really went away. And when he came in as manager, you know, obviously the, the nepotism thing was no longer an issue, but it still lingered somehow. So I'm delighted for him that he's on that, such a good run. That was character building, though, wasn't it? He's he's used that and having a bit of an iffy spell. Oh well, look, he's he's look, he's tough. He yeah. he, he was tough as a midfielder, and he's he's uh, <laughs> he's mirrored that with his managerial career. And Blackburn have been on decent uh, form themselves under Tony Mowbray. Uh, you know, Ewood Park has been pretty good for them this season. So fair play to Bristol City for, for being on the fringes you know, of, of automatic. They, they, they still have a part to play. Obviously, they're in, in the top six. They're in amongst it. So why shouldn't they be involved in the playoff shake-up again? I think they've got one of the best centre-half partnerships in the division, yeah. Webster and Callas. Um, they can play. But they're also really, really gritty. And then they kept Blackburn's even-form forward line sort of in their back pocket, really. It was a scrappy game by all accounts. But, um, but yeah, there was something that, that I found out this week as well about Lee Johnson. We talked about his marginal gains. He loves that, doesn't he? Um, gone to visit various places to learn. He even, he had this, in his words, he had a lock-in. I don't know if you saw this, with members of, what's that, Section 82, which is that, that corner bit of Ashton Gate where they got the flags, the hardcore support. He had a meeting with them in the office, four or five of the lads, and they just chewed the fat over player songs Brilliant. That, that he wanted to tell them which players like would would benefit from having their own song and blah, blah, blah. they knock some ideas around you just think which managers would go to these kind of lengths i think it's amazing really i mean he was always a busy so-and-so as a player like, and i mean that in a in a positive and negative way he was a pest and he was chirpy but as a manager, I have total admiration for his dedication to it. It seems like he thinks of everything. Right, the theme I'm, tune, sing the theme tune. I've got to tell you something about this. I, I, I worked at Birmingham City as the uh, the PA announcer, yeah. and uh, Trevor Francis was the manager at the time, so this is late 90s. Well, 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 can you do your Trevor Francis Yes, so can you, it, it said, uh, could you go to the, uh, you know, the training ground and uh, speak to you know, some of the players about uh, songs you can play for them uh, when they've scored a goal? So I said, all right. And I went into the Wastills training ground whilst the players were having lunch one day. And the first player I went up to was Martin Granger, the left back. You might remember him, free kick, dead eye with a free kick. And I said to Martin, Martin, um, look, we're, we're, we're planning on this thing where when players score goals, we play a specific piece of music tailored to them. Uh, is there anything you'd like? And quick as a flash and deadpan, Martin Granger just looked at me and said, please release me. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back to Trevor and said, "This idea is not going to fly. Let's just let's just leave it." So, uh, good old Martin, what great player he was! Uh, songs for players. That oh, actually, that might get a bit risky. Although we do have a meat pie sausage roll add-on coming up a bit later for Paul Scholes. That works. Nottingham Forest two, Brentford one. Your choice, Mister Clark, and a perfect choice because we've got some Nottingham Forest tickets to give away oh, in just a wee nice. bit. Very um, nice. Yeah, look, I, I just thought it was a really important victory for them because they were kind of outplayed against Brentford. It was a game that stood out because 
the Brentford defence were absolutely run ragged by Lewis Graben. And and the the reason I wanted to speak about it was that I think O'Neill made an absolute ricket when he first joined and he, he picked his his Irish his fellow Irishman in the uh, Daryl Murphy right from the off. I just thought that was I'm not accusing Martin O'Neill of not watching Forrest this year, but he kind of reverted to type and and dropped a guy that was so red hot in Lewis Graben. So that that I think was a was a mistake, but he's, he restored him to the lineup. He he tortured Jean Vier and Concer to, to a slightly lesser degree. And and yeah, it was a really interesting game because they only had 30% of possession and, and over the course of the season, they're well over 50%, not as far as... So they're not used to being this this team that that hardly ever has the ball, but maybe he's trying to turn them into that type of team, a more efficient team, perhaps, yeah. moving forward. You so can see, You can see the imprint he's trying at least to, to lay And he's down. given a kid a game, uh, Ryan Yates, who's, who's come through the academy. He's 21, he's not that much of a kid anymore, but he's had to be patient for his chance. And, and I think the Forest fans will appreciate someone coming through from, from their academy. I think it's been there since he was eight. If you do appreciate the Nottingham Forest variety. We have tickets for Forest Derby on the 25th of February, if you want, of course, to go to that. All you have to do is follow us on Instagram. Just have a little look for the Totally Football Show on Insta and just like the competition post. You have until the 15th of February to get your like in. I will allow both of you, seeing as I'm in a generous mood and you are speaking on behalf of four, do we decide, or maybe just three, uh, to mention any other game in the Championship very briefly. Leeds United... Uh, at Middlesbrough, we, we hope that Jack Clark's okay. Obviously, I think he's been given the week off by yeah. Marcelo Bielsa after being taken Ill, uh, early in the second half. But there you go, that you, you keep on going. Tenth minute of stoppage time, and Calvin Phillips makes it makes it one apiece. You have not, we just don't know at this point how important that equaliser could be. I think it be. could be big. It really could be big. They're, they're, they're definitely a second half sort of team, aren't they, Leeds? I I I've got a cheeky stat for you. I know you appreciate them, uh, Caroline. If if games ended at the first half, ended yeah. after forty five minutes, Leeds would be sixteenth, and Norwich would be seventeenth. Where would Birmingham be? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the spirit. That's what made this country great. What, what, what a pointless stat that is. What? Oh, oh, I, no, I, oh. I, I, I disagree. I, I think if they were to put themselves under slightly the less pressure, over ninety minutes. No, but uh, one hundred and one minutes. The, yeah, the, uh, point, yeah, the point the I'm writer. making is that both of these. Title chasers are putting themselves under a lot of pressure in games. They're not like Norwich did at the weekend. They're not putting enough games to bed early doors, especially Leeds. Well, some teams do start very, very quick, come come quick out the traps. And Leeds actually have been one of those teams that do try and get their noses in front early. And that can sometimes be their... Mm. Their downfall, as, as Adrian's pointed out, with what is no longer a pointless stat. Uh, where would Arsenal be? <laughs> would very, low, very low. <laughs> At the Totally Show for your questions, thoughts and the likes. No Joe Crilly from William Hill this week. Abby, do you want to step forward with the odds or do you want Adrian to do it? She said to me earlier, Adrian, Adrian's good with odds. He can do that. <laughs> I'm good with odds. Uh, we were looking for top I'm, goal I'm scorer. I'm looking forward to posh odds. I thought this was a feature. Posh odds. Posh odds with Abby Patterson. <laughs> uh, top scorer. Scorer then, Abby. Adams, we asked about the value of him. You've already spoken about Lewis Graben. Uh, we've had a bit of Billy Sharp. 
Who's odds on to be top scorer in the championship? In the championship, it is Billy Sharp, 6-4. to four. He is the favourite to be top scorer, followed by Timu Puki. We haven't actually mentioned him, but he's 11-4. to four, And Tammy Abraham uh, rounds off the top three at 3-1. to one. And odds on Tammy making 30 goals? Uh, that's a good question. Good. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Loads, loads of midweek games. We'll touch on some of them because I know you're off to one of them, Mr Danter, a little bit later on. But let's go into League One. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. League One and simply, whatever you do, don't ruin it by giving him the job permanently. Leaders Mick Hartford's Luton made it five wins in a row. That six-point lead over second place, Barnsley, also won. Missed opportunities for Portsmouth in third and Sunderland in fourth. Draws for them. Oxford United out of the relegation places after holding Sunderland, though. Happy birthday, Mick Hartford. 60 today as we record this on Tuesday. The original good touch for a big man, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, Mick Hartford. (laughs) What What a player. What is he doing right, or is it simply that he's just let things lie? Nothing's really changed in terms of the way Luton is set up and the way that they're going about their business formation-wise. He's not brought in different players. He's sticking with what Nathan Jones had, had, had put in place and that's I can't blame him for doing that why if it if it ain't broke don't fix it it's the classic case of that 3-0 win over Wickham yeah. and Wickham aren't the easiest I mean they're Definitely one of those not. awkward teams well it took a while to get the second didn't it I think two goals came really late on George Moncur was only on for 17 minutes uh, and got himself a, a really good brace we we wax lyrical about them going forward rightly so um, Luton but I think you also have to say that defensively they're a, they're a terrific team the centre-halves, I talked about Bristol City's unit of Webster and Callas. I really like Matty Pearson and yes. Sonny Bradley, and they're great. And James Shea, uh, as a consequence of that, has got 14 clean sheets. You've got to remember, for those two centre-backs at Luton, they've got two of the most attack-minded full-backs either side of them. So they're kind of, you would think they'd get exposed, but it doesn't really happen. So, so they've got a great thing going, Luton. Jack Stacey is, is the one that I really like at the moment, the right back involved in, in, in most of the goals at the weekend. They're going to go up. They're going to win the league. And it's great. And the, and w- But the big question, the great unknown is, will they give? Will they try to persuade Mick Harford to take their job? It doesn't seem like he wants it necessarily. I think he's enjoying this ride, but he, I don't think he wants it permanently. You don't want to ruin it, do you? No. I'm not no. saying he would. And but... of course, against the backdrop of all this, they're, they're trying to get it over the line that a new stadium gets built in Power Court mm. in central Luton and finally get away from Kenilworth Road. This has been in gestation for about 50, 60 years. And they're, they're trying to sell land that they own by Junction 10 of the M1 in order to facilitate the building of this new stadium. But I'm not sure at this point whether it's actually been fully ratified. I think it had been agreed to in principle, but I think there's there's still a few hurdles that they've got to overcome in order for it to get done. But crikey, they get themselves a purpose-built stadium within two years. They'll attract a good manager, especially if they go up. Harford takes them up. They're in the championship. Well, they've had over, they've had yeah. over 100 applications yeah. already, haven't they? Yeah. They're, they're, they're really taking their time over this. Yeah, but they'll get, they could potentially get even more impressive candidates, I think, if, if they're a championship the, club. The key to everything is communication, right? So if Gary Sweet's mm. saying, as he will be having those conversations with Harford, and then Harford's telling the players well, what, and it's stability. Well, what Gary Sweet can do, and this is the, the form of the team has given him the opportunity to do this, is he can actually go out and cherry-pick who he wants yeah. rather than wait for... You know, applications to arrive on his desk. He can, he can give long, thoughtful consideration. Who do I want? Of all the managers that are around, and he can 
tap them up, can't he? This is it. Does he want a facsimile of Nathan Jones or does he want to you know, go in a slightly different direction? It's a very, very fine line to tread. But whilst Mick Harford is, is, is steering the good ship towards automatic promotion, I, I guess there's, there's no urgency particularly. Because it, that you don't hear any noises from Mick that he he wants to hand it over as quick as possible, no. not wanting it permanently and not wanting to upset the apple cart are two totally different things. So and and we talk about communication. He's on social media again today, thanking everyone for the birthday messages, and it is just one huge loving at the moment. <laughs> uh, facsimile. It's been been a while. Although I, someone sent me a fax via email the other day, which is a ridiculous thing. Clearly, crikey. Yeah. I see cassettes are making a comeback. Are they? Yeah, apparently yeah, so. Good. Uh, George Moncur, talking of uh, not making a comeback, but being the stable able one, 21 appearances for second place Barnsley, five for leaders Luton in the league so far. Both could go up as a story. <laughs> yeah, not bad effort, is it? And yeah, he's, I mean, he's a really talented player. The fact that he can't get in the team, it tells you how good they are. And Cummings as well came off the bench, didn't he, for Luton? He's been kept out of the side clearly by, by you know, uh, the two guys up top, Collins and Hilton. So look, they've got firepower aplenty. It's not not a problem for Luton. Want a managerial go around and not for Luton at the moment. Grant McCann, Darren Ferguson, opposite dugouts when this was played last season. Doncaster three, Peterborough one. The old leapfrogging managers and changing managers happens. Doncaster up to sixth, Peterborough down to seventh. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that I'm just massively impressed by Grant McCann. I, th- I think he... I love his positivity. He's like... He's not worried, not worried about defending. Um, and obviously, I'm not saying that he neglects defending, but he's just instilled this really sort of, let's go for it, let's not fear anything mindset. And they went one down, one down to Peterborough. It could, have got, it could have clammed up, but his team just carried on. And they've already scored more goals than they scored last year. Uh, that John yeah. Marquis, yeah. when you got... Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. decent, isn't he? <laughs> but it's not just him. They've got the, uh, Malik Wilkes, yeah. the great loan capture he was, as was Herbie Kane. Now, Doncaster, I think... Uh, have got all the momentum, haven't they, at the moment? And this is what I love about League One, actually, at the moment. The, th- the three best teams on form are three super attacking teams, aren't they? Luton, Doncaster and Barnsley. I mean, they just they just go for it. Peterborough seem to have defensive issues at the moment for me. Tough as only got caught out, I think, for the third goal at the oh, keep moat. Well, weekend. you know what happened, don't you? Cause so, so there was a player off injured and the goalkeeper rolls it out, but because he's off the pitch... There's no obligation to... He did, basically rolled it off the pitch by mistake. Mm. So, Doncaster, and it was Herbie Kane, mm. um, said, oh, stuff this. No, we're not going to give it back. Caught, caught them off guard. It's their fault. It's Peterborough's fault. Yeah, so they, uh, They've got defensive... Yeah. Darren Ferguson's got work to do there. If, if, if Peterborough are going to follow the same blueprint that, that Adrian's talking about with, with Luton and Barnsley and Doncaster, because Peterborough have the talent, you know, now that Lee Tomlin's back to, 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 to pull the strings... Because uh, he's at that level, he should be able to run the show in certain games. You would think. But I saw him the, his first game back when he played against Chelsea's under twenty ones in the in the checker trade, and he yeah. looks like he needed to get slimmer and fitter. He, he looked like he was carrying a bit too much weight. But he's he, you know he, he's always been a stocky individual anyway. He could run the show at League One level if he's if he gets the opportunity to. But there's, the, the issues at the back will be worrying Darren. I'm sure it's always the case when you have the first one back that you need to lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> Peterborough. <laughs> down to seventh, just a point off Doncaster, but having played two more. And when Ferguson turns around and says that he's more determined than at any stage in his career to win promotion, mm. I'm not fearful for them. Clearly, you'd rather be there and in touch with the playoffs. Yeah. But 
ahead of them, Portsmouth third, 59, Sunderland, 57, Charlton, 55, and then Doncaster on 50. So point off that. They're just trying to cement themselves in a little bit of a gap in there. I think only one of those teams you mentioned will miss out. Mm. And if I was to put a bet on it now, it it would probably still be Peterborough, even though Portsmouth are are sort of struggling, struggling themselves. Um, Yeah, I just think Peterborough have never, haven't really nailed it completely this season they've scored a lot of goals that have been leaky as, as, as Dan said so yeah and they've had obviously morale issues there change of management so yeah it's, it's maybe they'll miss out this year and Ferguson will will make them a, a true heavyweight for, for the following campaign yeah, they might have to be patient there is a a kind of gap that, that's starting to form but Blackpool play Sunderland this week don't they Blackpool are one of those teams that are just under Terry McPhillips got an opportunity to try and have a say in that that top six, uh, but that, that's what Peterborough are hoping that it becomes. You know, any six from seven who get involved in the shake-up at the end of it. Then uh, Blackpool were then at Charlton on Saturday, and producer Abby, your cab driver last night, was telling you about uh, an interesting coffin that apparently is going to be paraded or at least taken to the ground. So Blackpool and Charlton fans both annoyed with their owners and uh, they both want to take a coffin to the match. And so apparently they have decided to parade a a coffin that is half red and white and half orange. I mean, come on, half and half scarf. Never. Half and half coffin. But a half and half coffin. I don't want to believe it. No, please say it's not true. And which side you put towards the camera when uh, when the photo happens? Oh goodness! Yeah, uh, allegedly that's happening. If you do get a photo of the half and half coffin, uh, words I never thought I'd say. Feel free to send them in. We will roll into League Two via the coffin. Any odds on promotion changes or at least relegation, Abby? Relegation is sort of dead on for Wimbledon. They've now drifted out to twenty to one on. Uh, also, Gillingham they are five to four on to be relegated. Bradford evens with Rochdale five to four. Those are the four who are likely to go down, according to William Hill. Yeah, that defeat for Wimbledon at home to Burton Albion has kind of really stuck the the ricket in, hasn't it? And the Gillingham one, yeah, Gillingham was a, was a bad result, but look, you, you can get spanked by Barnsley. They're good enough. Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill, available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. League two, and it's not Paul Scholes and Sol Campbell every week from here on in. I'd just like to make that point, although there will be quite a bit of Paul Scholes and Sol Campbell. Are going to get the prefix? Is it, is it Sol Campbell's Macclesfield and now Paul Scholes Oldham in the same way that it's been Frank Lampard's Derby County since August? With a TM off the back of it, and yeah. Harry Kuehl will be in there somewhere, or was yeah. at least, once upon a time, Crawley. <laughs> Sol Campbell's Macclesfield came from behind three times to nick a valuable point, which is what separates them in second bottom from third bottom. Morecambe, who are then a point behind fourth bottom, Yeovil. No one wants it at the top. Lincoln drew second place. Mansfield lost. Lincoln maybe wobble? Nah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we are first off going to talk about Paul Sculpts. 
So you could have guessed that Paul Scholes was in town because there are about 500 journalists as opposed to maybe the five to ten that are normally at an Oldham press conference. Bill Rice is not one of those aftertimers. He was there uh, from BBC Radio Manchester. Morning, Bill. Yes, good morning. Uh, Oh, see, you're bright and breezy, which must mean that Paul Scholes has gone down well. Yeah, I mean, I think you're being a little bit generous to say five to ten that are normally at an Oldham press conference, to be <laughs> honest. It it tends to be sort of one man and his dog on some occasions. I think that will now change with the arrival of Paul Scholes yesterday. Boundary Park has been for too long a, a place of sort of misery, really, ever since the club slumped down the divisions. And now we're seeing a team, OK, they're, they're in League Two, but just the arrival of Paul Scholes got everyone a little bit excited that maybe there could be some good days ahead. Bill, is Oldham's position in the table realistic in terms of the squad that Frankie Bunt started the season with? Are are they where they should be at present? Yeah, I think they could probably expect to have a little bit more than they have at the moment. I don't think they're good enough to challenge for automatic promotion at the moment and and maybe even the playoffs will be beyond them this season. They find themselves in the position they do because they've slumped in recent weeks. I think a lot of that is down to the that they have chopped and changed manager. Frankie Bonn was given the first few months of the season but was dispatched just after Christmas. And Pete Wilde has tried to do a good job in the interview the the academy manager who's been thrust into the spotlight but I think the last few weeks have shown that you know the club desperately needed new leadership and hopefully Paul Scholes with all his experience can be the man to steady the ship over the next few months and I think that the plan will be to make a real push for promotion next season. They are 3-0 winners at Crawley at the weekend they're up to 14th and Paul Scholes as you rightly put it saying that promotion maybe for next season but this squad is good enough Mr Clark mm, he, he talked Bill about the desire to go and play attractive football what kind of football have Oldham been producing so far this season I mean looking at the the result of the weekend they're, they're in a pretty good frame of mind it, is there much work to do in terms of changing the style because he was at pains to say he wanted to entertain the masses Yeah, I think that's the real challenge because if you've got someone like Chris O'Grady up front, for example, that the temptation is to hit the ball long to him, to to play him as a target man with his back to goal and doesn't necessarily get the best out of some of the other players that Oldham have in and around him. Zach Durnley's been brought in on loan from Manchester United. I think Paul Scholes, although he wasn't officially manager, probably played a part in that recruitment. He scored his first goal at the weekend. And I think the idea will be to get a little bit more mobile in those forward positions, try and play a little bit more of the intricate stuff in a very similar way to how things have changed at Manchester United since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer replaced Jose Mourinho. Mr. Danter and Mr. Clark, someone who you both know who's a journalist, described it as as a comfort job for Paul Scholes. Uh, Do you have any comment on uh, that? I, I would say uh, that the well, that there is no such thing as a comfortable job in this transient era of football management, where you you know two years appears to be the average, and maybe even less than that these days. And when you play for Sir Alex Ferguson for most of your career, where's the comfort in that? Yeah. Somebody's on your backside all the time. Uh, Bill, I wanted to ask you about the, the club that he's arrived at. We all remember, well, those of us a certain age, Abby won't remember, but Oldham were a Premier League club at the start of the 90s under Joe Royal. What kind of club is Paul Scholes walking into in terms of its potential, the facilities that he's got? Is the training ground, is it ramshackle? Is it up to standard? You know, how happy is he going to be with the what he's presented with? I think it's fair to say Oldham 
is a club that's been treading water or, or going backwards for a long time now. They were in uh, League One for something like 22 years, I think it was, before they slipped into the bottom division last season. They've been heading in the wrong direction. Uh, the club has made efforts to try and address that. They've built a new stand at Boundary Park, which has brought the, the stadium itself, at least into the modern day. Um, but Paul Scholes has got to be realistic here. And much like, you know, one of his former teammates, Roy Keane, he can't go in and expect the Oldham players to be as good as the ones he worked with at Manchester United. So he's got to be realistic about what he's got at his disposal. I actually put this question to him in the press conference yesterday and said, having played your whole career at the top level, you know, what's it going to be like adjusting to managing League Two players? And with typical Paul Scholes wit, he said, well, I don't know because I haven't done it yet. <laughs> but football is essentially the same at any level. So he still thinks that if he if he sticks to kind of the principles that worked well at Manchester United, they should work well at Oldham too. But resource-wise, he's not going to have massive amounts to spend. I think he's going to have to call upon all his contacts in football to recruit loan players. And, you know, I don't think Oldham are going to be big spenders by any shakes, but uh, I'm sure he can call up on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and Mike Phelan at Old Trafford and say, have you got one or two that I can maybe take on loan? Seeing as we're not paying you, Bill, I'm going to string it out a bit longer. What? But yeah, sorry. But you've got the love of football, right? Which is, is all we desire in life. You've also been having a dinner date with Sol Campbell, haven't you? Macclesfield 3, Crew 3. They had to come back three times in that. How's he enjoying it? He says his blood pressure isn't. No, after the game on Saturday, Sol was not particularly pleased with the question that it was a great game for the neutrals. He said it was terrible for me sitting there on the touchline. But you got the feeling that if they'd lost to that 95th minute goal, that the heads really would have dropped around Macclesfield. It would have been three defeats on the bounce. As it was, they then go right up the other end and get an even later equaliser. And it just lifts the place again. The, the mood is good around Macclesfield now. It was so down for the first 10 games of the season or so. It just didn't work under Mark Yates for whatever reason. And I get the impression that Sol's come in. He's introduced a bit of more professionalism around the club, just in terms of making sure he's monitoring what the players are eating. So he doesn't allow them to have burgers in the canteen at the, at the training ground anymore. Uh, he's monitoring how much running they're doing training. And he's just going to lift those professionalism levels what we've seen is a response on the pitch. They were dead and buried seven points adrift when it took over. They're only one point away from escaping the bottom two now. So they're heading in the right direction. But I think he knows they have to cut out some of the silly mistakes that have really cost them in recent games. If only someone had told me before there was an excess of burgers at Macclesfield, I'll be straight there. Bill Rice, above and beyond, as always. Thank you for coming on. No, absolute pleasure, Caroline. Anytime. Bill Rice from BBC Radio Manchester, who's been about this week, uh, both of those two trading under the names of a former player-turned-manager clubs. Macclesfield are now a point behind Morecambe, second bottom still, Notts County bottom on 25, Macclesfield 28, Morecambe 29, Yeovil 30. Port Vale have dropped into 20th on 33 points. Do we see that momentum from Macclesfield continuing and do we think they'll stay up? Possibly. I, you know, suddenly, Notts County have found a win from nowhere as well by beating Forest Green. So it concertinas up that little bit more towards the bottom. Yeovil, I'm a little concerned about. Um, my cousin's a big Yeovil fan. I speak to him all the time about the Glovers and, and how they're getting on this. There's all sorts of talk of, of takeover and, and mm. you know issues down there at Hewish Park. 3-1 home defeat. Yeah, to, to Grimsby. Grimsby. That's, uh, that's, that's tough to take. So they've got to find some form from somewhere. Uh, otherwise, they're going to 
find well if if Neil Ardley can continue this run for for Notts County, you wouldn't have expected them to win it. Mark Cooper's Forest Green, who, who are having a terrific second no. season at this level. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That was a that was a brilliant result. Two senior players in the middle of the park. What a difference they're making, uh, Jim O'Brien and, and Michael Doyle. And it's not just with what they're doing with the ball at their feet. It's just that leadership qualities. And of course, you, the guy who's got the the winner. Enzio Boldervine, I think that's how you pronounce it. The winger had a great game. It was Lovely a finish. wicked goal, wasn't it? it was the way he curled it into the far corner. It's been out for three months, and this this is that they've been missing that kind of magic. So they've got a chance. They really have. And and you're probably looking at Yeovil and Morecambe as being much more out of form yeah. than the actual bottom two. So and there's there's very little points difference. There is a realistic possibility now that Notts County and Macclesfield could secure safety well before the final game of the season if this recent trend continues. They'll be, they'll be well clear. We'll get the odds off Abby in just a moment and the odds as well for promotion because Milton Keynes dropping out of the playoff places. A little bit of a sticky patch for them. Milton Keynes 2, Swindon 3. They were going for an automatic promotion earlier before, before Christmas at least. Uh, Paul Tisdale says maybe we need to mix up our game to change things about. Right, they need to do something different because they've, they've hit the proverbial wall, haven't they? MK Dons, it's, it's a shocker. What I will say in their defence, this wasn't their worst performance of that run. Did you see the goals for Swindon? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the goals? Well, Michael I mean, Doughty's, it was nonchalant, wasn't I it? Mean, absolutely sensational first goal from Doughty where he, he creates a turnover then he, he, he does the keeper with the eyes he basically P-rolls it into the corner it's yeah. genius and then the penalty the Penenka chip so and then in between that there was a scorcher from, from Swindon so don't beat yourselves too up too no. much about that one would be my message to MK Dons but they, they desperately need a, a win don't they it's, it's gone horribly wrong for them any dramatic changes Abla? So we've uh, seen that Notts County and Macclesfield could well reach safety. However, they are still odds on in the betting. Uh, Notts County are three to one on, and Macclesfield six to four on to be relegated. Uh, with Morecambe and Yeovil seven to four and seven to two, respectively. At the Totally Show, for your thoughts coming up, we're going to have a little look at the fixtures this week. The FA Cup coming up, midweek fixtures. Uh, there's the Birmingham Bolton derby of the studio, which is happening, if mm. that has a title. Uh, Hull <laughs> Rotherham, Hull have won their last five home league games. They last won six from the period from October 2004 to January 2005, and that was eight they did in, in a row too. It's the home form which is helping Hull at the moment. Then we've got the FA Cup as well, QPR Watford, Brighton and Hove Albion up against Derby County, AFC Wimbledon, Millwall, Swansea City, Brentford, and plenty of others besides. Where would any of you like to go? Well, I'm going to be AFC Wimbledon, Millwall in the FA Cup on Saturday and we, we've talked about the travails for Wally Downs at the bottom of League One Welcome distraction or get rid of it and go No welcome distraction I think uh, particularly at this stage and and the I mean the what is it £500,000 or so that I imagine they might derive from from uh, the income and revenue streams from that game will not hurt yeah. uh, at this point. Another, uh, particularly with the stadium, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, because, of course, you know, the, the plough lane, the, the old dog track is um, well on the way to being completed in their new home. So anything that helps the bottom line will be very handy. Uh, but, you know, Millwall, uh, probably as as difficult an opponent for them is because they, they won't be too 
sort of frightened or I don't kind of think the right word or intimidated by a, a, a ground like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 of King's Meadow they'll they'll lap that up Neil Harris or yeah. water off a duck's back to him but that would be an in, intriguing cup tie oh, that I'm some at. great opportunities for EFL clubs in the FA Cup so yeah we wish wish them the best of luck I, I guess if you're looking at the the championship you've got Villa versus West Brom that really stands out for me I mean that Villa Sheffield United was a belter. Villa seems to be involved in, in great games at the moment, oh. don't they? And and West Brom have been involved in a few high scoring affairs themselves. So you'd always it, put both teams to score in any fe- any fixture featuring West Brom. Yeah, like if although they, they've they've got a bit better at the back, they've got a, kept a clean sheet at Stoke on Saturday, mm. and they don't often do that. Mm. It seems like uh, Dawson and Hagazi are finally mm. striking up something of a of a, an understanding as two centre halves. If yeah, if Aston Villa and West Brom were as good without the ball. As they are inside the final third, they'd be in positions where Leeds and Norwich are. So we know what needs fixing. But um, what would be their percentage of first half goals ahead? <laughs> expected yeah, goals. There's yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you got expected you, goal stats. You, there. You got me on that one. Okay. Yeah. Completely stumped. Sorry. It was Rich Stoke as well. It's interesting because obviously Nathan Jones, a uh, friend of the show, he needs he needs a win, doesn't he? If he doesn't get one at Ipswich, the old locals might be uh, putting him under. He a, said he was really happy with the performance uh, against West Brom, despite the well, despite the reverse. Terrible he, refereeing decisions went against Stoke in that game. Have to say, yeah, that's us done at the Totally Show. For anything that you want to get in touch with over the week, thank you, Mr. Danta, for coming in. Thank you to Trevor My Francis pleasure. too. That's quite all right, no problem. Uh, Adrian Clark, <laughs> likewise. Uh, the boys are in some shape or form back in part next week, apart from Sam Parkin, still indulging himself. Until then, have a lovely week. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life really, and here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK, so that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.